Father, we do uh, come to you and thank you that we can come to you, that you are, are always inviting us to yourself. Lord, we do pray for uh, all that are involved, the, certainly the families as we've lifted them up, those who are still injured as we've lifted them up, all who are connected, we've lifted them up. Lord, we pray for the, the shooter's family. Lord, and, and uh, the, the shock and surprise they must be going through, and, and no doubt the, uh, the whirlwind that they're in as well. Lord, we just uh, we pray for all involved and just ask you for mercy and help us, Lord, to, to look to your word now and to, to be encouraged, Lord, to be instructed by your word. Uh, we pray that you would lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, it's interesting, we are going to take a, a break from our First Corinthians series, and uh, next week we're going to head into some Christmas messages, which is, which is our pattern anyway. Uh, but it's been an interesting week, hasn't it? I know that we've, we've drawn attention and acknowledged uh, certainly what's, what's gone on in our city, but, but it was obviously Thanksgiving week as well, which uh, provided for such a, a strange experience uh, because Thanksgiving landed in a very heavy week for us as a city. I mentioned before uh, that on Tuesday night, a team leader at the Walmart that many of us go to and have gone to for years entered the break room where the overnight crew had gathered for their pre-shift meeting and he opened fire, killing six and wounding another six plus more, two who are still in the hospital in Norfolk, and turned the gun on himself. And of course, this is a, and was, a senseless and wicked act of violence and death that has certainly brought devastation uh, to the families of the victims who have uh, awoken yet another morning, this morning, into the nightmare that they are living. It has brought loss certainly to all who are involved and will each carry the burden of trauma and tragedy the rest of their lives. And it's, and it's like it's brought something of a loss of innocence for our, our normally quiet city, uh, maybe the way it did in Virginia Beach a few years ago and Charlottesville a couple weeks ago. So the question is, how do you put all these things together? This is Thanksgiving week. Right? This is a holiday weekend. How do you hold in one hand a holiday that is conducive for so much happiness and joy and, and gratitude and gratefulness through traditions and parades and favorite dishes and favorite family members and football and turkey and stuffing and pie? You know, you've got Thanksgiving on one hand, and on the other hand, we hold one of the most traumatic events that could happen to a community. How do you hold these things together? And I certainly felt both of these things very acutely this past week. Maybe you know that I serve as a chaplain in the Chesapeake Police Department. And on Tuesday night when I heard uh, the, the, the news at about 11, I, I put on my uniform and responded, as many of us did, and, and quickly arrived at the scene and proceeded to the front doors of the Walmart where a few managers and employees were standing along with a, a lady, a young lady on the side who was actually in the break room when it all happened. And all I could do was express care and listen 
while they all in shock tried to process what just happened. We got a chance to engage with the law enforcement uh, personnel that were on the scene as well, though they were busy, of course, doing their jobs. And then after talking with employees at the scene, uh, we were sent to the conference center where I was up all night making death notifications with my team uh, to the families of some of the victims who had arrived there, uh, which was uh, certainly as horrible as you can imagine. Our Walmart is not only in our neighborhood, but is also uh, in the precinct that I'm assigned to as a chaplain. So I spent the last few days back and forth from the response center to the precinct to the command vehicle uh, at the scene. I've continued to interact with the families of the deceased and critically injured, as well as employees who were either there when it happened or not, but are all deeply affected. So it was a really... uh, long and difficult few days for everybody involved. Of course, you, you know that. But again, all of this surrounded Thanksgiving Day, right? Thursday's Thanksgiving. So I've been asking myself the same question. How do you put, put all of this together? Because our lives aren't hermetically sealed compartments. All the things of our lives, they all blend together, don't they? And, and certainly this week, a number of things blended together. So I want to take our time to look at God's word to help us see a couple of things, just to, to kind of capture this moment and, and look at these two things that blended together, particularly for us this past week, uh, both gratitude uh, through a holiday on our calendar that we celebrated, but then a deep sense of sorrow and, and lament and I think I could put it this way in, in terms of, I think, the, the main point. It's, it's this. As long as we live in exile, both gratitude and lament will be part of our lives and sometimes simultaneously. As long as we are in exile, as long as we live in exile, it's both of these, right? Both gratitude and lament will be a part of our lives. They will blend together. And sometimes simultaneously, and it's interesting as I think back uh, in, in our series in our church over the last number of months, uh, it, it, all of these things factor in. You think about our series in Daniel when we saw the reality that we, like the people of God in Babylon, certainly live our lives in exile, right? We are strangers and aliens, exiles and sojourners traveling to our one-day home. This world is not our home, and yet, yet we live in the world, and then we know from Ecclesiastes that as long as we are exiles, as long as we live life under the sun, well, certainly gratitude will be a part of our lives. We saw that again and again, to to take joy in the good things of God each day, as long as we have them, because these are the gifts of God. But then we're also invited into the lament that comes through the cries of vanity, vanity of vanities. You see, they they blend together, and sometimes simultaneously, gratitude, Thanksgiving Day, and lament, a mass shooting at Walmart. Look at Psalm 13, as a matter of fact, and notice, just notice how they exist together here as well in in this psalm of lament. It says, how long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? 
How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now we're not going to break this psalm down, but this is one of many psalms where where the two are blended together. Certainly some psalms are filled with, with just thanksgiving and praise and gratitude to God for he is good. And some psalms are filled with just lament But the thing to notice in a psalm like this is not just the presence of lament that stands alongside a reason and an invitation to gratitude, but to also notice that the two are distinct. And this is really important, as we're going to see in just a moment. As long as we live in exile, gratitude and lament will be a part of our lives and both of these are distinct. And I want to I wanna kind of think about both of them. I want to break them down. I want to look back into this past week and what presented itself to us and make sure that we're clear about the difference. So let's talk about Thanksgiving. Let's talk about gratitude. What exactly is gratitude and why is it so important. And if, and if I asked you what a, a definition of gratitude is in light of Thanksgiving, we all certainly just spent time in gratitude and, and giving thanks. And, and maybe you would say, yeah, it's, it's, gratitude is a feeling of thankfulness in your heart about someone or something. It's, it's as simple as that, really. And that's true. And I would add that, that thankfulness Or thanksgiving is actually the act of expressing that gratitude to someone. I think gratitude can exist in your heart. But thanksgiving gives that heartfelt gratitude expression. Just think about the ten lepers that Jesus healed. There's no question that all ten of them were grateful, right? They just got their life back. They had been sentenced to a disease that was going to take their life inch by inch in the most painful way possible. And they were sentenced to that disease to walk it out until death alone because they were separated from the community. Or they would walk in a colony that was separated from their friends and family. So when Jesus healed them and gave them their whole body back, and gave them their life back, and gave them their community back, there's no doubt that all 10 of them were grateful, certainly. But there was one that went back to Jesus to express his gratefulness to Jesus. And the thing is, is that matters to Jesus. That mattered to him. Because Jesus said, weren't there 10? Where are the other nine? See, it's almost, it's almost a haunting question. It's, it's, gratitude is, is important, but expressing gratitude matters to Jesus, which is why in, in many ways we have a, an entire book like the Psalms 
where gratitude is expressed through words and through prayers and through praise to God for all that he is and all that he has done. So gratitude, it's not hard to define, but, but I think you can, you can dig a little bit deeper. You can, you can dive a bit deeper in thinking about gratitude and what we just went through. Gratitude is also a part of what it means to be human, and particularly to be human as those who have been created by God. Because gratitude, think about it, necessarily connects to our dependence on God and on others. Gratitude exists because of our dependence. We are creature. God is creator. And to be creature is to be dependent. Gratitude exists because something has been done for you. Just think about it. And the greatest gratitude is reserved for that which was done for you that you couldn't do yourself. So to be created by God is to be created dependent. We are not self-sufficient. We were designed to need God and to need each other. So what is the right byproduct when we have actually relied on God or others and received from God or others? Well, it's gratitude. It's thankfulness. Gratitude, humanly speaking, only exists because we need. So we are certainly grateful when someone passes the gravy across the table to you because gravy's awesome. But we are supremely grateful when God saw us in our death and sin and misery and sent his son to live and die on the cross and rise again in order to save us. We who couldn't save ourselves because we were dead in our sins. Look, it's the prisoner of war. It's the woman and child found under the rubble. It's the family whose boat has capsized and sunk. It's the unconscious man carried out of the house on fire. And it's every Christian who has been saved by God through Jesus Christ. That we experience a lifelong debt of the greatest gratitude to the one who did what we couldn't do for ourselves, right? And I don't want to belabor this, but we just had Thanksgiving. And it's appropriate to think about Thanksgiving. It's providential. And as followers of Jesus, again, for whom thanksgiving, gratitude matters, it matters to Jesus. Our lives are to be lives that are filled with gratefulness and thanksgiving. Not just one day a year, not just every Sunday when we gather to sing, but our lives should be saturated with and oozing with gratefulness because we understand something. We understand that we are fundamentally dependent on God primarily for everything. And we also understand all that God has done for us, especially through his son. So certainly we can, we can consider, are we a grateful people? Are, are, we, are we really good at giving thanks? Are we really good at spotting all the things that have been done for us and turning that back to thanksgiving? toward either God or to someone else. And, and if not, we can go one step deeper to think about some of the opposites of 
gratitude. And it's really interesting if you think about, well, well, what is the opposite of gratefulness? And you might say, well, that's easy, Eric. It's ungratefulness, right? And again, I do, I do think that that's true. But I think there's, there are deeper levels and deeper answers to the opposite of gratefulness. If you would, if you would honestly say, I'm, I'm really not a, a pronounced grateful person, um, then it might be worth considering what some of the opposites are. And what I mean is, for example, the opposite of gratefulness, then therefore, is independence. Independence is an opposite. And what I mean is the person who doesn't feel that they ever need anything, person who doesn't need anything from God, certainly the person who doesn't need anything from anyone else, will not live a life of gratitude. Why should I give thanks to you? I don't need anything from anyone. How about boasting as an opposite? of gratefulness, boasting. And I get that actually from our first Corinthians series. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, Paul said, what do you have that you didn't receive? And if you received it, then why do you boast as if you haven't received it? You see what he's saying, right? This one verse confirms the the creature construct that creatures receive everything that they have from the creator. What do you have that you didn't receive? So isn't it interesting that the opposite of, of the right response in this moment, which should be gratitude for all that you have, is actually boasting. Why do you boast as if you haven't received it? Received it. So I wonder, do, do we boast about our own skills or gifts or the, the job that we have or the money that we have or make or the things that you have bought or the family that you have and on and on and on as if we didn't receive these things from God who provided us all of the raw materials to experience these things. I think another one is forgetfulness. And I'm using opposite loosely, of course. I hope you, you get the point. But if, it's, if you stop at the opposite of, of gratitude is ungratefulness, I don't think we're thinking deeply enough. I think that there's, there's roots that go deeper, and forgetfulness, I think, is another one. Let me read from Lamentations 3 to pivot from, from the difference between gratitude and, and lament. But notice first the the place of remembering. Remembering as a friend of gratefulness that makes forgetfulness a kind of opposite in some ways. This I'll, I'll pick up in verse 13 where he writes, He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. And then remember, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. 
but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Do you see that? The, the this I call to mind in the midst of, of deep pain and agony. This I call to mind. How many times did the Lord tell his people, remember, remember, do not forget the things of the Lord. It's because when you remember, when you call to mind the goodness of God, when you bring to mind the faithfulness of God, what is the right response? Gratitude, worship, and praise. Sometimes we, we tend to live our lives forward-looking. And there's a part that we, we learn we're, we're kind of supposed to forget what lies behind, right, in some ways. It's a conundrum in Scripture. How do you live in the tension of forgetting what lies behind, but also remembering and calling to mind and bringing to mind? This I call to mind, this act of remembrance of who God is and what he has done. It's a pivot. There's a holy connection in God's word between remembering and giving thanks. So guys, God calls us to live lives of gratitude and he bombards our lives with so many things to be grateful for, especially all, the, all that is found in Christ who has given himself for us. So if that's kind of a deeper dive into gratitude, we just experienced Thanksgiving as, as we live our lives in exile, we'll, we'll always have gratitude as a part of our lives. But this verse also in Lamentations demonstrates lament, as does Psalm 13. As a matter of fact, this, this practice of lament we see in the pages of Scripture, and again, look at this again, as long as let's, let's get our bearings, as long as we live in exile, this is kind of the point today. Both gratitude, all that we've just been talking about. And lament will be part of our lives. So let's think about lament. And actually, the women in Sweet Mercies this year have looked into this grace of lament, which I so respect Heather and her team for leaning into this. Heather has a resource that we can make available to you, a booklet about lament. I would encourage you to listen to her outstanding message that she gave about laments. I'm so glad that they are leaning into this because the biblical idea and the biblical practice of lament is often very foreign to Christians, especially in the West. And there are many reasons for this. I can't pretend to know them all, but I think that we are, are typically problem solvers. Something kicks in in our minds and our souls when difficulties come, or maybe we are overly optimistic and we are, are prone to look for the, the silver lining in any gray cloud, or maybe we are more prone to suppress bad things and try to move on as quickly as we can. Or as Christians, maybe we're just confused because we're supposed to be happy and joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always, right? And again, I say rejoice. 
So when believers are faced with incredible tragedy or incredible trauma, I think it's the verses like, don't be anxious for anything that might come to mind first. Or find the peace that passes all understanding. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or at least I'm supposed to. Or maybe somebody will even weaponize, well, God is sovereign. And all of these things are true. These things are true and exist in Scripture. But believers, by and large, are far less familiar with the broad biblical landscape of lament. Just lament. Paul speaks of being so utterly burdened beyond what he could bear. He speaks of those who bore up with him in his troubles. We see phrases like, how long, O Lord, in Psalm 13. We hear questions, why, God? Squaring up with the depth of pain that has been allowed into our lives. There's, there's tons of biblical spaces for this. For sadness and heartbreak. Questions and even doubts, hurt and darkness. These spaces are all over our Bibles. And I know that there are, there are different kinds of lament or things to lament. But again, lament exists because in exile, we live in a fallen world. We live in a, a broken world. We live in an evil world. And lament is a grace that helps us as we live in the tension between real pain and yet what is true about God. The two things that are true at the same time. Or better, as we travel from real heartbreak to deep trust in the Lord, like we saw in Psalm 13. I wonder if you know that, that the majority of the Psalms are written in the minor key. We see the Psalms as, as our, our song book, and it is. And, uh, and we would tend to think, I bet if you, if you surveyed the average person, you would say, are most of them happy and joyful and rejoicing, or are most of them sad and confusing, or conf where people are confused inside and, and struggling? And the answer is, most are the second, written in the minor key. The books of Job and Lamentations are inspired by the Holy Spirit and capture heartache and suffering and questions and honest talk with God, especially about the questions that come up every time there's difficulty and trial and suffering in our lives. Deuteronomy 29, 29 alerts us to the maddening reality that we will have questions that won't ever receive answers in this life. The secret things belong to the Lord. Now there's, there's comfort there. But it also alerts us that, that life as an exile will include having questions that we might not ever get answers to. Every time this week I heard the questions through agonizing cries, why? Why? Or 
Or how did, how, how, how could? How many times as pastors we've heard the same over decades or the times that you've asked these questions yourself, it's a hard pill to swallow knowing that we may never know. Again, the whole book of Job is about the deep suffering that comes to our lives, suffering that is unaccompanied by answers to the deep questions that we have about the suffering that we are going through. So grief and pain and anguish, questions, anger, sorrow, weeping, these are that from which biblical lament comes. And it's all over our Bibles. And again, if if these all start in the heart, then lament is that expression to God of what's going on in our hearts. Expressing to God the deep struggle of the soul, which is squarely biblical. Think about it this way. If the one leper returning to Jesus to actually express thanksgiving mattered to Jesus, then crying out when we're hurting matters to God. Jeremiah 33, 3, call out to me. Exodus twenty two twenty three, and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. Psalm fifty fifteen, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Psalm 88, 9, my eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord, I spread out my hands to you. Romans twelve fifteen, weep with those who weep. Even Jesus, look at Mark 14. Maybe this is familiar to you when Jesus was in the garden. It says, and they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he, Jesus, said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible the hour might pass from him and he said Abba father all things are possible for you remove this cup from me yet not what I will but what you will with with sweat like drops of blood Jesus cried out to his father and God invites us to cry out to him to be honest with him God invites us to ask, even Jesus did in the face of the horror of the cross. Jesus lamented over Jerusalem earlier and his great cry on the cross was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A question from the Son of God to his Father in the the midst of the greatest horror And I think that, that we, we have the same questions, don't we? Not, not why have you forsaken me, God never will leave us or forsake us. But don't we, don't we ask, have you forsaken me? Don't we ask, where are you, God? 
Don't we ask, why is this happening to me? Those are the questions of our souls. But if there's any barrier in your heart from crying those questions out to God, then something needs to be adjusted in our hearts because of the grace of lament that we're invited into in the pages of Scripture. God invites us to cry out, to ask, to bear our souls to him, even as we grieve. Which, again, is another thing to see about lament. It's not, it's not only that, that, broad, that broad biblical landscape of, of full green light to interact with God your Father with all of the depth of your soul. And it's not just the expressing the things in your heart to God. But you can see that it's a grace because it ultimately directs us to God, who is our our only hope. Lament is meant to direct our souls to God, who is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who draws near to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. Like, where else do we have to go when the troubles have come into your life? We've got lots of options, lots of things that present themselves as comforts, as paths, as self-medications. Even well-meaning people fall short in their ability to get into that place of your soul, and yet God himself invites you and me to himself. It's interesting that that the sooner that we realize that there is a part of our lives, because we live in exile, there's there's a part of our lives that are always just going to be sad. Do you realize that? I can tell you that, that this concept has actually served me in so many ways and maybe even saved my longevity in pastoral ministry. And I'm not exaggerating. The concept of sad. The reality of, of sad. I think it saved me from cynicism. From just growing hard. Growing cynical. At the, the sad things that happen along the way. If you can't learn sad how to be sad, how to direct sadness ultimately to God, you might just default to cynicism, which is a a kind of self-protection. Instead of dependence on God, instead of looking to God or crying out to God, cynicism creates a kind of stoic, hardened cocoon around you that offers to protect you from pain, but it never really does. Because all along, God promises to be at work in pain and through pain. And ultimately to bring us to rest and trust in him. Not by ignoring tragedy, but by following he who promised to be with us even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
So this week was interesting because they blended together, right? This, this deep category of gratitude, this deep biblical category of gratitude, this deep grace of giving thanks to God, right? Alongside a, a tragedy and an invitation to lament, to be sad and to not coat it over with the opposite instinct to, to find something that, that t- takes away from sitting in the midst of difficulty and pain. They blended together this week, and the truth is that they will always blend together. And I think the, the greatest demonstration is, is found at the cross of Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God, where where, where Jesus Christ experienced the, the horror and the pain and the, the tragedy and the sorrow at that location, forsaken by his father, the depths, the, the, the unimaginable trauma as a, as a holy man and holy God And yet it was through that experience, that that pure joy and gratitude has come to every believer that will be saved through that act of substitution and sacrifice in the same location. The suffering and yet the joy, the lament and yet the forever gratitude that we will express to Jesus Christ, the lamb who was, who was slain. We will, eternity will not be long enough for us to express our gratitude through the horror of what he went through. You see, they, they blend together at the cross most premierly, but they blend together in our lives. And you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's not just a, a, a trauma or a tragedy. That's what we experienced as a community this last week. But maybe your thanksgiving was difficult. Maybe you know what I'm talking about on, a, on that level. Or maybe things have gone sideways with family members. Maybe you lost family members who for the first time weren't sitting in their chair. How are we supposed to do this? How are we supposed to, on the one hand, we, we realize there's so many things to be grateful for. And yet, on the other hand, there's parts of us that are just sad, and maybe, maybe we feel conflicted about that. Well, I think God's, God's word gives us some help here. That two things can be true at the same time, right? That they're distinct. That certainly all that we have to be grateful for is true. And it's not watered down by the difficulties that we're going through. And that it pleases God to give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Amen. And it's also true that 10 seconds later, your mind can can drift to the thing that's really, really difficult in your life. And that's okay. Because there's a place where we, we cry out to the Lord. To the degree that both of those graces point you to God, that's his desire. Go to God. You'll find all that you need and long for in him in both places, amen? 
as long as we live in exile, both gratitude and lament will be part of our lives and sometimes simultaneously. So let's just close. Worship team, you can come. And and, and in terms of thinking about this, a couple of questions just to evaluate. Just think about, do all of the good things in your life direct you to God? Do they direct you to God and invite you into this grace of gratitude toward God, expressing thanks to him and others? And then secondly, does all the sadness in your life also point you to God? Through the grace of lament, he's near. He invites us to call upon him. And he is faithful to meet us in that place. Amen? Let's stand together and pray. Lord, as we close and go from here, Lord, I just pray that you would continue to equip us through your word, that you would help us to see that our lives are are complex and made of many parts. And we just thank you for the clarity that you give us through your word. Lord, I just pray for all those who are hurting in this room, struggling, places that are broken or stuck or have been for quite some time where, where hopelessness has potentially seeped in. But I just pray that you would open up your arms to the cries that you would draw near. I pray that you'd help us to be a grateful people. That gratitude doesn't in some way counteract the pain that we're experiencing or make light of it. And in all of this, Lord, we we just want to, to grow closer to you and know that you want to meet us in all the places of our lives. Jesus, we thank you that you died and rose again to give us access to God, our Father, to find mercy and grace in our time of need. So lead us from here, Lord. Lead us into our community, Lord, to people and places that need you. Give us strength to live for you, to bless you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.